0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Elizabeth Emmons, a law professor at Columbia University, a mother of two youngsters, and now author of this important new book, Life at Men, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More. The book is important because it is an education, one that provides insights into the things of our own life, presents experiences of others, and thus the meaning of making our life work more efficiently for ourselves. Let's get right to it and meet Elizabeth. Elizabeth Emmons, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today.
1: Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And thank you for, at least for me, and I have a feeling this will be the same situation for many of our listeners, introducing me to this new concept of life admin. I have to say, I'd never heard of it before. And really, Elizabeth, would you say you've coined the phrase?
1: I coined it in my own life, but as I've gone through these travels speaking about life admin, I found that there are other people who already were using the term to describe this, this stuff. People have lots of names for it. Some people just say stuff or life stuff. Uh, one woman I talked to recently likes the phrase life men um, as an abbreviation of it. Um, but for me, it was new.
0: And for me, it was definitely new, but new in terms of giving terminology to what goes on in our life all that kind of stuff. And when we mention stuff, perhaps people really relate to it. But it is something that I don't know if it's just because we've evolved into uh, life in this 21st century where there's just so much going on. Uh, Do you think it's a, a new concept or how did this all evolve for us?
1: Well, I think admin has always existed in the sense that admin is all the office type work that it takes to run a life and a household. Um, so it's the kind of work that both managers and secretaries do, um, both the decision-making aspect of life um, and the routine paperwork, faxing, making calls, scheduling appointments, um, but in the home rather than in the office. you know. And so it's both these daily and yearly things like paying bills and doing taxes. But Also, big life events have a lot of this work attached to them. And so in the broadest sense, people have always had to plan their trip to the market um, and, you know, think about how they're going to get there and um, make those kinds of decisions that are kind of analogous to the planning and decision-making that needs to happen in the office and that are different from the physical task of actually cooking a meal or actually Washing dishes. So in that sense, it's always been around, but I think it's different. Has a different texture these days, in meaningful part because of our devices uh, that make it possible for the outside world to bombard us with this work, uh, moment to moment, while we're trying to do everything else.
0: And thus, along comes this book: How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More. Life admin. And really opens us up to understanding more potentially of what's going on in our life, as it did for me. It's like, ah, oh, this is what all of this stuff is. And doesn't having a better understanding of it help us to deal with it and manage it?
1: It has certainly helped me. Uh, it feels really different now when I know how I spent half my day. I didn't just waste the day. I didn't just fail to get anything done. You know, I spent half the day dealing with, say, insurance paperwork or the DMV or, you know, dealt with something related to taxes. When I know that I've done that, it's clearer to me what happened. And I don't feel so bad like I've just wasted my time. And yet, I don't think we need to spend as much time on this uh, as we do.
0: Because you do help us in understanding how to... uh well, we'll use the word organize or, or find different kinds of methods that will help us to streamline things so it doesn't seem to usurp as much time as uh, it typically does.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I interviewed uh, and ran brainstorming sessions on Life Admin with over 100 people, and I learned an incredible amount from the people that I spoke to um, and have been sort of doing an experiment on myself these past several years, going through a lot of life admin myself, and uh, finding ways through it to make space to write and be a parent and and teach and and do the rest of uh, my job and living. And so it's been quite a journey.
0: So that is interesting to look at, the fact that on top of all of life that was going on, you add in writing a book. So one additional piece? Or or did you really find that it was all kind of woven together and it wasn't an extra burden?
1: Well, the fact that I was writing a book about life admin, I think is what made it possible to write the book. I think if I'd been, it would have been harder uh, for me during this period to write a different book because the two were interwoven. But I came with a lot of strategies that supported the writing process and that I think now that I know them will help support my own writing process. And I hope I can help other people support their goals and ends with the strategies that I've learned.
0: So as we look at this, Elizabeth, as you looked at this uh, over the course of writing the book, there are certain types of admin or we as adminers or life, <laughs> what are we, life administrators? What do we call ourselves besides people? Uh, people, I think people. <laughs> okay. But there Human are beings. different types that there are different categories, I guess is what it is, not so much types. Categories of how we are at doing the admin in our life, right?
1: Yeah. So I found four main admin personalities and. There's a quiz at the back of the book that I devised after I did all this research um, to try to help people find their way into their uh, personality and to understand the personalities um, better. But the four categories are super-doer, reluctant-doer, admin-avoider, and admin-denier. And the first two are basically doing it or getting it done, and the last two are mostly not doing it or or not getting it done. And and the difference between um, the two in each row, it's a it's a chart, it's a four-square, so I, I picture it in my head when I say it. It's obviously in the book, but the difference between the super-doer and the reluctant-doer is how they feel about it. So the super-doer is getting it done and feeling pretty good about it, and the reluctant-doer is getting it done but really wishes they didn't have to be doing it. And between the denier and the avoider, the avoider is not doing it and feeling bad about not doing it, and the denier is not doing it but really not feeling bad because the denier doesn't really think there's a problem, doesn't really think admin is a thing at all.
0: Until life comes crashing down.
1: Well, that's more often happens to the avoider. It could happen to the denier. Um, the denier tends to be someone in a relatively privileged position who's had other people um, who took care of this and may keep taking care of this. So it doesn't always come crashing down for the denier. But there aren't very many deniers, and we can't really create a life in which we're a denier <laughs> if we don't already have one. So I, I have drawn strategies from each of the four personalities. I think there are things we can learn from each of the four personalities. Um, so they're not really a hierarchy. It sounds like the super doer is best, and then next up is reluctant doer, and so you're kind of trying to climb the mountain. And, and I don't see it that way. I do think that there are tools and techniques we can learn from each of them, um, but it's really helpful to understand where we are and where we want to be in relation to different areas of our lives. We also most of us are a hybrid. We're not straight down the line a reluctant doer. So I'm a reluctant doer in most areas. That's my kind of landing spot. But I've always tended to be more of a super doer around my kids' education, things related to that. That's something I I kind of enjoy doing, so it makes me kind of relatively happy when I'm doing those things. Um I feel pretty good about being on top of those things, but I'm an avoider with regard to my snail mail. The mail that comes in, it kind of piles up, and I, I don't find it engaging, and I avoid it for a little while. So that's sort of an example of how we're kind of a mix. So I'm, I'm guessing that may be true for you too.
0: Definitely, I find myself resonating with some of that, and finding that in your sharing what your experiences were finding there are these tips on how to streamline our own life and find ways to make it more manageable. Uh, so I think that, you know, that, that is another value of the book, besides the awareness that, oh, my goodness, this is something that exists, but finding ways to make it work in our own life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So what has been then the response from people as they've received the book? gotten the book. I know it's brand new, but you have early readers.
1: Yeah, people have said that uh, I've given them a word to describe things uh, in their lives, and that they're seeing this labor everywhere and seeing some of the contours of it, like stickiness is something I just wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal about um, adapting part of the book. And it's the way that Admin tends to stick where it lands first in relationships and in families and in friendship networks. So whoever makes the first call to the exterminator uh, or whoever loads the app in their phone in order to order something tends to be the one who keeps doing that thing. Uh, And so stickiness is one way that some people end up doing more admin than others. There are a number of pathways to how someone can end up doing uh, more admin than other people, but it's also the way someone often keeps doing it. And it's admin stickier than physical chores because it's more information dependent. So it's why it's easier to do the dishes in someone else's home than to do their grocery list, for instance. (laughs) But people have also been responding uh, to some of the strategies. One of my simplest strategies is to write NNR for no need to reply uh, at the end of texts and emails when I don't need a reply. So people know that the conversation can end there. And so I can save them time, and they may even return the favor. So people have started writing NNR back to me and telling me that they're using this all over the place as a way to to stop um, conversations, you know, that can stop and don't need to go on
0: and on. And that's a big one, and really an important kind of release because sometimes uh, we might be attached to an email thread and want to uh, not necessarily prolong it but to, you know, comment on it or give thanks and then it just uh, is one more piece of material that takes up some precious moments of time.
1: Right, that concern that if you don't write back, thanks so much, that someone will be offended um, or, or think you didn't recognize their effort in writing to you in the first place can add up when there are a lot of those messages. For so many people, email is a, is a huge drain and texting on their time and, and on their kind of ease of living. I've just removed, uh, I've been learning a little more about um, social media and hadn't done a lot of it, but I've, I've done a little more of it. And I, uh, it's amazing how that can be so overwhelming. And I've, I've really started to see that. And so I removed the apps on my phone. So it doesn't have to be to unplug entirely, right? One can still say connected, but it gives me more choice when it's not in my phone calling out to me all the time. I turn off my email in my phone at night before I go to sleep so that when I get the 4 a.m. admin wake-up call, which many of my interviewees also have sometimes when things are busy or stressed or as a parent, I think it's common to wake up at 4 a.m. worrying about all the things that need to be done. Uh, At least I don't also when I look at my phone to see what time it is you know, feel drawn to my email, then learn about something else that's happening that needs to be done and be sucked in and then be awake for even longer. So turning off my email at certain junctures I find to be a helpful blocking strategy.
0: And it, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Just in the whole scope of our life, to make that choice, make the decision to have that disconnect. Otherwise, we really don't have that time to rest and have the energy to focus once again when it is time to to wake up and to do our work.
1: Mm-hmm. It's amazing how hard it is, though. I think for for most of us to disconnect, it just can I think be incredibly difficult. Uh, to stop. Um, And that's why I feel like having rituals of times that we do make it stop uh, can be helpful.
0: So you you do it every night, but you also mention how on the weekend with Shabbat, you Mm -hmm. do that as well, and that it's just, it feels as though it's a gift that you give yourself.
1: Yeah, I turn off my email on Friday night until Saturday night as a kind of non-traditional Shabbat uh, practice, Sabbath practice and I find that it's very difficult right before I turn it off. I mean, I'm scrambling really hard to get a bunch of things done so that um, you know things are finished and completed, and then I close out, and then by the time I turn my email back on, I find it hard to remember why I even wanted to be in my email in the first place. It's remarkable the shift, but one of the things I raise in the book is that Admin isn't just an individual problem, and I, the solutions aren't just individual. So I have a lot of ideas for what we can do, but I think we also need um, cultural changes, legal changes, changes to markets. And so one of the things I argue is that we could use more support for everyone to turn off their email once a week. You know that there should be a way that uh, we all have this opportunity, that it doesn't need to come through a religious practice. Um, but it could just be a global, secular practice. That's one of the more fanciful ideas. Some of the ideas are more practical since I'm a law professor, so I think about uh, what we can do to law and markets as well.
0: So once again, you're continuing to work on this and strategize on ways to make our life easier because I feel that you certainly have begun that and probably you have before, but we're aware of it now in our lives with this new book with Life Admin, How I Learn to Do Less, Do Better and Live More. I mean that, that subtitle is is certainly critical here because I think we can all relate to that in wanting to, to live more and have a better life, but feel so bogged down with all these other details, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And what happens, I think this is so critical to be aware of, is these things happen and we might have uh, the partner in our life who just doesn't get it. Like, what did you spend all your time on? How is it that, uh, you know, this other thing didn't get mm-hmm. done? So this helps us to really share that understanding and basically get, like, on the same page together potentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, one of the uh Reluctant doer strategies is illuminating, which I think is a nicer word than complaining, um, but is a way, uh, what I mean really is finding ways to cast a light on admin doing. So, you know, if there's a any kind of family to-do list on the fridge, making sure that the admin items are on there, like making the grocery list is actually a a project, not just actually going grocery shopping. I talk about how if it's possible to find even just a few minutes to list to each other, it could be a family practice at the dinner table or with a partner or a friend, uh, is to play a kind of listening game where you say, you know, what's some admin that I did today? Or what's some admin that's on my list that I've got to get done? And it's hard to talk about. I, I found it at first. And then people often find it to be a huge relief. That was my experience in my interviews was people would often apologize to me for telling me about their admin, even though I was interviewing them about admin. But they were so sure that it was so boring. It was too boring for me to hear. And yet it it turned out that it led to these very intimate conversations, because if you just traded to-do lists with someone who you didn't know, you would learn an incredible amount about the person. These are really intimate details of our lives and that we often don't share with people. That was one of the great pleasures of doing this work, and I hope – that it is a pleasure in some way of reading the book is is delving into some of that and, and addressing some of the questions for oneself and starting conversations with one's friends and neighbors and partners.
0: I believe that it is because it's so much a part of our life. And, you know, we, there are so many how-to books on so many things, but this is really in a, in a very special category, I feel, Elizabeth, where you know it really has to do with the nitty gritty of life that consumes so much of our time, and to really get that a better understanding and sharing stories is is always a great way to do it, is to get some insights and find what might make it work better uh, for someone or what they can tweak.
1: Mm hmm. And the thing is, it's the nitty-gritty and it's the details, but it has big consequences. So life admin can seem trivial, um, but then when you think about the fact that, um, say, the free application for federal student aid, the FAFSA form that college students or often their parents uh, submit to apply for financial aid, uh, by one estimate cost U.S. families 30 million hours last year. uh, And Um, Many, many people who could benefit from home mortgage refinancing don't do it, mostly because of the admin burdens, or at least that's one of the reasons. Uh, One study finds that often people don't apply for a um, home mortgage refinancing opportunity that would benefit them just because they don't ever open the letter or make the phone call. There's an estimate of a foregone savings of $5.4 billion in that study. And so these are tiny details, but they can add up to huge consequences for people, and for some people more than others, too, depending on, um, you know, your advantages or disadvantages in, in life. So there really are disparate impacts to to this kind of work, too.
0: And that is so utterly incredible that it uh, it really then escalates to that degree. So, as you said, you were wanting it to become more a part of uh, the market, uh, of our world. And is that something that then the market, which is people, which is businesses and such, that they too can learn from this and find better strategies to help us, do you think?
1: Absolutely. We need a a way to learn about companies for how they treat our time and not just how they treat our money. Um, so I propose this as a respect our time rating scheme uh, for companies um, so that you would have like a seal of approval. A company gets a five or a one say uh, on a scale based on how they treat your time. Um, so the, um, for instance, the insurance industry is heavily regulated um, in lots of ways, lots of laws that apply to the insurance industry, but nothing protects our time. Um, so if an insurer rationed, does what's called rationing by hassle, if they basically just make it really hard for us um, to get our money um, back, if we've paid in advance or to claim our benefits or to um, be uh, to qualify for a particular benefit, if they just make it really hard, that's a win for, for the insurer. Um, And so insurers never admit that they ration by hassle, um, but it's to their advantage to do so. And unless um, the regulations protect our time, um, there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, There are a number of ways that um, the law could change, and there's one area where the law itself wouldn't need any formal change, but judges would just need to see admin as a real thing, which is that we should be able to claim compensation for lost personal time when a company wastes our time. So let's say the cell phone company, um, by a billing error, overbills you by $200. And so you get this bill, and you know you don't owe the $200, but now you know you're going to have to spend however many hours, potentially, fighting with them in order to convince them, waiting in their phone trees, and so on, writing letters, writing emails, in order to get them to finally credit you the $200. Well, at the end of the day, if you get that $200 back, you can't get compensation for the time you spent, and yet, if this were, if you were a company and your employee wasted that time, and it was a breach of contract, you could get compensation for your employee's time. But courts have seen these cases, and for the most part, what courts do is is say this is basically too trivial. We don't, we're not going to credit people's lost personal time. And that's something that um, could change by virtue of. Judges changing their mind about that. So one of the hopes in making life admin a real thing, helping us all see it, um, is that that will be um, taken more seriously. And so, and not because we're going to have, who's going to have the time to sue, um, you know, your cell phone company for your lost two hours. Not many people. There are some people who bring those suits, but not very many. But a few high-profile lawsuits um, could change the terms of the interaction with companies if they knew that the way they wasted our time, they could be held accountable for.
0: I love that. I mean, I think probably all of us have at least one experience where that has occurred, but probably many more than that. And to know that uh, we could wield that kind of power, and I guess it comes back down to us and our life admin time, but uh, feeling that we can be empowered that way, I think that that's also such a, a an incredible insight and gift you're sharing with us, Elizabeth.
1: Well, one of the hopes, too, is that we really could just stop feeling as bad. <laughs> that For me, when I sat there after my second child was born and I felt overwhelmed and I, I thought I knew parenting would involve a lot of childcare, but I didn't know that parenting would involve my mind and my time being taken over by this kind of constant bombardment of details and decisions and little forms to fill out and messages with the school. And I just didn't realize that That would be the case. And so when I I sat there in my bedroom, and I was sitting there, I was trying to meditate, which had been a practice of mine. And when I looked in my mind, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe what all was there. I didn't want all that stuff in my head, but I thought it was just my problem. And then as I started to look around, I started to see that, no, this was everyone's problem. It was some people's problem more than others. Some people have more of this work than others, but everyone does admin. And I started to see that, It wasn't just that we should all organize our way out of it. Yes, there are many things we can do to make it better. But also, there's changes that need to happen in our society and our law. And that was a relief to me. to realize that it wasn't just my problem.
0: And here again is where the book, Life at Men, How I Learned to Do Less, Do Better, and Live More is so incredibly important to us. Uh, Yes, it means reading a book, but it's in a way, it's this really fast read because it's so relevant and is so filled with information that I think it's something we owe ourselves in order to be able to to function uh, much more. I'm going to say intelligently or deliberately in life in the days going on.
1: I'm so glad that you found it uh, to be a quick read, and it sounds like an enjoyable one. It was really a challenge for me in writing this book was thinking about the fact that the reader, like the writer, was overwhelmed by this work and had so little time to read a book or write a book, and how to write a book that would reward people for that, um, and I hope make it pleasurable and interesting and useful. And so I've done some things throughout it to try to make it so there are ideas and strategies embedded within the pages. I don't save them all till the very end. Um, but also, I did collect some of the ideas that I found the most fun or useful or interesting and to a set of ideas to try at the back of the book. So also while you're reading, you don't have to mark them and collect them and make your own list of them. Because one of the things, too, that's challenging about books that aim to help us live better is that often one finishes one of those books, if one even gets that far, and then feels like, oh, no, now I have another list of things I have to do to make my life better. And so I tried to both collect some of those so one could try them, but also part of the idea behind the admin personalities is that they can be a kind of shortcut to trying a different way of relating to admin so that one doesn't have to remember any particular strategies. But one can say, okay, I think this week I'm going to try being an avoider and see what that feels like. And then it might be that some of my strategies come to mind. So one avoider strategy is trusting. So trusting that your neighbors near your new home know when to put the garbage out. So rather than calling up the sanitation department or looking online and trying to figure it out or seeing if there was some letter you were sent about it, you just look out your front door every day and say, oh, okay, well, that's the day I put them out. Trusting of a certain kind. Uh, can be an avoider strategy. But so it's possible to leave the book having gotten a texture of these things and then say, okay, I'm going to try something else on uh, this week and see where that leads me without being overwhelmed with a bunch of minute strategies, which might be helpful in a particular moment. And it might be nice to go through those and look at the ideas to try, but it, it might be nice just to see what it feels like to live a little differently.
0: And that, I think, captures, again, the essence of this book, Life Admin, is that it touches on so many areas of our life. It's it's so broad that we'll find a place that is most fitting for us at a given time, I feel, and really feel like we can address that and feel that sense of accomplishment.
1: That's the hope. That's that's the aspiration. So um, I'm delighted if, if that was your experience of reading the book.
0: Definitely. And I hope that Everyone else is going to realize that this exists. That's why we're having this conversation this morning, right, Elizabeth Emmons?
1: Yes, indeed.
0: And so the book, of course, is available. It's it's quite new, uh, available at all of our favorite book sources, correct?
1: It should be. Okay. My friends are sending me pictures of it in the wild.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, a website that people could uh, get even more in-depth information if they wish.
1: Sure. Uh, There's information at ElizabethEmmons.com, which is my website, and then also the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of your favorite apps.
0: Excellent. Well, this has been such a great conversation, a wonderful way to begin a, a brand new day, but also, of course, a brand new year. So I thank you so greatly for your work and for spending time with us this morning, Elizabeth.
1: I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much.
0: And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Elizabeth Emmons and Sunday Morning Magazine with Karen Bunnell. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you would like to know, please just send me an email. K-A-T-E-D at warm1069.com and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the On Air tab, then Sunday mornings and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of breathing in a fresh new day to begin a fresh new year with great, fresh ideas. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. And we're wishing you a terrific 2020, a fresh new decade.